Well, Saints Community Church is simply one church in three locations right here in Metairie, in our Bell Chase location that is meeting on the West Bank, and then tonight at 7 p.m. The mission is the same in every single location, and that is that we are reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus. How many of you did something this week to prove that you are in that imperfect people category? Come on. Let me see your hands. Wave them in the air like you just don't care. Yeah, all right. I see spouses grabbing hands and waving their spouse's hands. And Yeah, well, welcome here. We are so glad. We're so honored uh, that you are here. We started a new series last week called Better Days. We are studying a guy that used to be a shepherd that's now a king. His name is David. And we're studying a chapter that he wrote in a book of the Bible called Psalms, chapter 23. And he was having hard days at the moment that he is writing, that he's putting pen to paper to write these words that we're studying for these weeks. And how many of you know we could use some better days in 2020, couldn't we? We could use some better days. And this morning, I want to speak to you very briefly for the next few minutes on this subject. The grass really is greener on the other side. The grass really is greener on the other side. Let's take a look. At Psalm chapter 23, verse 2, part A. It'll be coming on the screen for us. The Bible says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Let's pray. Jesus, you got to come and you got to do a whole bunch of work in this room. You've got to reach people that don't know you yet. You've got to, Lord, help people that are trying so hard to live for you, God, but, Lord, the stresses of life are weighing them down. And, Lord, I ask that you would be able to do that in the next few minutes because we don't have long, but you can do more than I can. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? How many of you have ever had a day where you felt like the stars aligned to give you a very stressful day? Come on, how many of you have ever had one of those days? I had one of those days Many, many years ago, it was uh, during the Christmas season, and we decided that we were going to attempt to do the impossible in our family. We decided that we were going to spend time with my family and Christie's family in the same Christmas season, not only in the same week, but actually spend time with each family on Christmas Day. The only problem with that plan was that one of the families lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the other family lived, my mom and dad lived at that time in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And so we spent a few days with Christie's family before uh, we, we flew out. And we actually decided to fly out the morning of Christmas. We got on that first flight from Minneapolis to Detroit. Everything went great. It was perfect. But then when we got to Detroit, it started to snow. It didn't take long for the airline people to come over the loudspeaker and to tell us that there would be a six-hour delay on Christmas Day to get to where we were going next. Now, if you want to make people upset, if you want to make people angry, tell them that they are not going to get with their families where they're supposed to be for another six hours. You could visibly begin to see that people get grouchier and angrier and then they started, Kristen and I watched the scene. This is kind of one of those times that you sit back in your seat, you get some popcorn, 
and there's entertainment that's about to be happening as you just watch people's reactions. And we watch them. We watch them yell at the airline people. And we watch the airline people yell back at them. Because how many of you know they didn't even want to be there on Christmas Day working? And so they're getting yelled at. And people are yelling. People are yelling. I'm seeing spouses that begin to fight with each other, which I don't understand why they would blame. You know, you just got to find somebody to blame. So yell at your husband. Yell at your wife. You know, this is your fault that we're delayed, you know. And, and so we're seeing families that are being ripped apart. And, and I was tired that day because Christie's family is a lot of things. But restful is one thing that they know nothing about. I was exhausted from the few days that I had been with them, love them to death if they're listening to this recording. Love you, love you. You are not a restful people. And I decided I'm going to go and I'm going to find a corner in the Detroit airport and I'm going to lay down. So I actually fell asleep. I figured you got two options, you know, like the first option I did consider it was just to stand up and start singing joy to the world in the middle of the airport. And I think, I, you know, that might have made people upset. So I decided the second option, I'm going to go lay down. And the, the uh, national news actually filmed uh, the Detroit airport that day. And they filmed me laying down. You say, how, well, if you were asleep, how did you know that they filmed you laying down? Well, because my mom was watching the national news. And all of a sudden on the television screen, she looks at my dad and goes, there's Wayne in the Detroit airport. In the national news. It's the only time I've ever made the national news, but that's my claim to fame. And I, I woke up. People were more angry when I, I woke up. So Christy and I decided what we would do is we would go and buy a bag of Hershey's Kisses, and we would begin to pass out those Hershey's Kisses to everybody that was there and say, Merry Christmas. How many of you know by the time I got to my mom and dad's house, the turkey had been cooking for over 12 hours, and all I wanted was a quick meal to say Merry Christmas and then to say, where is my bed? Hello? You know, that day, that stressful day, was taken care of pretty quickly. It was nothing that a good meal and seeing my family and that laying down and going to sleep and a good night's sleep didn't heal. I felt better the next day. But how many of you have ever had a season of your life where you got eight hours of sleep and it didn't make any difference? It's, it's the difference between your physical body being tired and your soul being tired. There's a big difference between when you just need a good night's rest and your soul is tired. So the question this morning that we're asking is, what do you do when you feel exhausted in your soul? What do you do when you feel exhausted in your soul? Now, some of you may not know some of the warning signs that you have for being exhausted in your soul. So I looked up, and there's some Christian psychologists that put a list of of nine traits that that people show when they're exhausted in their soul. Let's look at these traits together, and you can maybe judge whether or not you've ever had any of this. These are signs of soul exhaustion, if you will. The first one is when you go on a vacation— and you still feel just as overwhelmed as before you left for the vacation. Come on, how many's ever been there? Okay. The second is when you get eight hours of sleep, but you wake up just as tired. 
when you dream about living a different life than the reality that you are currently living in. You actually wonder what it would be to have somebody else's life or to have a different job or a different spouse or a different situation financially. Number four is when even your body aches for no apparent reason. You feel your body aching, but you go to the doctor and he says, there's nothing really wrong with you. The next one is when you feel deeply disconnected or isolated from everyone else. When you have intense mood swings and find yourself being overly emotional. When you feel like you are on autopilot every day, you're just waking up and you're going through the motions of the day, but you're just on autopilot. Here's another one. When you wake up with dread in your heart to face the day. And lastly, the activities that used to bring you so much joy do nothing for you now. When the saints win, it doesn't do anything for you. I hear the hurricane warnings going off. Sally's not with us yet. She'll be maybe joining us in a little while. Those are the symptoms of soul exhaustion. But what about the root of soul exhaustion? Those are just signs that your soul is exhausted. What about getting to the root of why your soul is exhausted? Well, Philip Keller wrote a book called A Shepherd. And this book was actually about Psalm chapter 23. And it was written from the perspective of a shepherd. And here's what he said. He said that that sheep cannot lay down and go to sleep unless they have four areas that they are free of. The first one is that they are free from fear. Free from fear. They, they can't be scared. Sheep literally can't go to sleep if they're afraid, if they feel like a wolf is about uh, to hit them. Number two is free from friction with other sheep. In other words, the sheep are having relational tension. They're bang at each other. I don't know how, to, how that works, but let's move on. That's stupid. I don't even have drums to help me. Number three, they're free from pest or aggravations. This would be representative of things that nag you that are outside sources, even things like your finances that, that are just pests that are nagging at you. And number four, free from basic physical needs, food, shelter, clothing, rest, etc. Well, I want us to just, as you look at these four things, let's keep them on the screen, and let's just review 2020 for just a second, okay? Free from fear. Oh, what would make us afraid? I don't know. A pandemic that's killed over 900,000 people worldwide? That might cause some fear in our society. Free from friction with other sheep, relational tension. Well, what would cause that? Well, how about Racial injustice, that is actually systemic racism, which we believe here at Saints Community Church is a real thing, and we're fighting against that injustice. But how many of you know that causes tension? Hello? It causes tension. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the fact that there is an election coming up, and every pastor in the United States of America is groaning. Why? Because we're reading all of your Facebook posts. We're seeing all of the tension being displayed right before our very eyes. 
And number four, free from basic physical needs. I don't really know where this comes into play besides the fact that we did go through a toilet paper shortage for a little bit there. So that's a basic need. Last week, we came to the conclusion that God is our shepherd. And that because he's our shepherd, we have all that we need. And this week, what we're doing is we're diving in to the first basic need. And the first basic need that we have as human beings is this issue of soul exhaustion. If that seems too far-fetched for you, let me just boil it down to one word. We have an issue in our souls with peace. Everybody just say that word. Say peace. When's the last time you truly felt peace? Not from your circumstances, but peace in your soul. David said, that he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Now, when you hear this and when you read the Bible, what you think of when you, when you hear that and when you see that is you think of, yes, Jesus is going to lead me to this incredible, beautiful pasture that is lush and green and has flowers and big, beautiful green grass that is growing. And you picture, you know, the scene of, uh, you know, the little house on the prairie scene of, the, you know, Laura, I'm, I'm really aging myself here, but Laura, you know, going, and she's, the, and the blades of grass are hitting her hands as she runs through the field, and you see the flowers, and you see all of that, because when we think of a pasture, here's what the definition in the dictionary says. Pastures are plants, such as grass, grown for the feeding, especially of grazing animals, a land or a plot of land used for grazing the feeding of livestock. So again, we think, yes, Jesus is going to lead me to this beautiful, luscious, green pasture. He's going to give me an overwhelming abundance of everything that I need. I love following Jesus. He's going to lead me. But here's what you have to understand. This is not at all what David had in his mind when he wrote those words. You see, if you go to Jerusalem and you begin to look at the surrounding land in Israel, what you're going to find is you're not going to find those huge fields full of luscious green gas, green grass, not gas, green grass. You're not going to find that. Here's what you're going to find. You're going to find rocks and dirt and sand and a whole lot of brown. And so when David is speaking to this, he's speaking to the fact that the humidity in Israel would, the west winds would blow against that humidity, and the humidity would hit these these hillsides, and it would hit the rocks, and it would create this condensation. And then they only get 23 inches of meager rain uh, a, a year, and how many of you know we can get 23 inches of rain in a day here, hello? They, they get 23 inches of rain in a year. So what happens is when that condensation is mixed in with that 23 inches a year of rain, what you're going to end up with is a picture that looks a little more like this. Let's take a look at that, that picture there. And so you see that there is hillsides and there is grass on these hillsides 
but you see there's a lot of brown, and you can see the rows in between the grass. Now, here's what you have to understand. This picture is not everywhere in Israel. This only existed in certain locations, in certain spots. And so a shepherd would know where to find this scene right here. He would know exactly where this was located. He would know how to get the sheep there. He would know the terrain. He would know how to get them through the danger. He would know how to, how to make sure that they weren't surrounded by thieves that would steal the sheep or, or pests like wolves that would come in and would cause fear of the sheep. And so the shepherd would know all of this. This isn't like, you know, a shepherd would just find the nearest blade of green grass or the nearest you know, pastures, and it was an easy thing. This was a very difficult, treacherous journey that the shepherd had to lead the sheep in. And what would happen is that, that he would lead the sheep in between the green. How many of you can see a lot of brown up there, okay? He would, they would lead the sheep in between those blades of grass, and the sheep would eat that grass, and then that grass was gone. And the, then the shepherd would have to lead them to the next spot. And what would happen was eventually the sheep would eat so much, they would be so full that they would do what you want to do after your Thanksgiving meal. They would do what many of you want to do this afternoon after you have lunch. They would what? They would lie down. They would lie down. But I want you to know something. Jesus, our good shepherd, is telling us, if you'll follow me, I'm going to supply this, the needs that you have in your life. I'm going to help you through the fear. I'm going to help you through the pest. I'm going to help you through your basic physical needs. And what, you, what I'll do is I'll lead you to a place where there's a little bit of supply, and then you're going to have to follow me because how many of you know if God gave us everything we needed for the rest of our lives as human beings, most likely what we would do is say, thank you, God, I'm out. Hello? So what he wants to do is he wants us to go on a journey with him and follow him and say, that was good, wasn't it? You, you like that grass? You like how I met that need? You like how I did, how I did that for you? Keep following me because I'm going to take you to where your next supply is. I'm going to take you to where the next patch of grass is. I'm going to take you to the next hillside. Now, if you don't follow me, listen, there's a lot of fear going on out there. There's a lot of pests that are happening out there. Don't pay attention to those. I'm actually, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. If you'll stay in rhythm with me, I'm going to get you to the next hillside. I'm going to get you to the next place. And so as human beings, what we've got to do is keep our eyes on the shepherd because he's leading us. It reminds me of something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He said these words. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, let's say that word together, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your what? Here we go. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, are you tired? 
Are you worn out? To which the ancient Jews that Jesus is speaking to would have gone astoundingly and absolutely 100%. The answer is yes, we are exhausted because they were so busy toiling and, and, and wrestling through the yoke of something called the law that they were trying to fulfill. They were trying to do all of these right things and not do these wrong things. And I'm not talking about a few. I'm talking about over 600 things that they are trying to do right and, and not do wrong. And they're waking up with this heavy yoke upon them called the law every day. And so when Jesus comes along and says, are you tired? Are you weary? They're absolutely going, yes, Jesus. The answer is 100% yes. We are tired. We are weary. Now, some of you may be in this room, and you may, may go, okay, I came here because somebody invited me, and the Saints game didn't start till 325, so I knew I had time to make it, and they promised me lunch, and they gave me this little card, you know, and they invited me, and they gave me this little card and said, you really should hear this, but now you're talking about shepherds and sheep, and I feel like we're going to, like, hold hands and sing Kumbaya here in a minute, and I'm unsure of where this is headed. I'm kind of wondering why I came and maybe you're not yet a follower of Christ. Maybe you're not into the church thing or into the God thing. And you're, you're sitting in the room today. And, and, and here's what I would tell you. I would tell you that I think you can identify with this. That natural rest is never going to be a substitute for spiritual rest. I think you can identify with the fact that you've had times that you've laid down for eight, nine, and ten hours, and you've still felt this restlessness in your soul. Because natural rest will never be a substitute for spiritual rest. So here's the way, the only way you get spiritual rest is that you have to get connected to the one who made your soul. You have to get connected to the soul maker. You have to connect yourself to Jesus. And when, you, when that happens, you're connected to the rhythm maker. And when you get connected to the rhythm maker, the rhythm of your soul gets back in a pace that is sustainable and that is good and that is fruitful and that is not frantic and it's not stressed out and it's not full of anxiety and it has peace and it has rest in the soul, you have to get connected to the source, the one who made your soul. Now, there's a lot of people that have been Christ followers in the room that are here. And you're going, yes, amen. Go get those unbelievers. Tell them. Tell them, pastor. Let me talk to you for just a few minutes. As Christy and the band come, this is where my heart, as a pastor, got heavy this week. Because as Jesus talks about the yoke, he's letting them know, hey, I've got a yoke. It looks, it is fundamentally different than the yoke you're used to. In fact, my yoke is easy, and my burden is what? It's light. So I've got a yoke. And some of you go, some of you have read that word yoke for many, many years. And you go, oh, it's so good. I have no idea what yoke means, but I think that's a really good thing. A yoke is a term that was used by teachers during that time frame often. 
but it's actually a farming term. And so here's what a yoke is. Back in these days, and there's still parts even in our country where they use a yoke, and what they would do is they would yoke two oxen together to plow a field. And the way that they connected the two oxen was that they would have a yoke that was placed on top of them that would keep them connected, and then that would keep them in straight lines, and they would be able to go through the field, and they would plow the field efficiently and effectively. And there were many, many farmers back in this day and age that what they would do is, come on up, what they would do is they would, in order to save money, because it cost a lot of money for two incredible beasts, the two incredible oxen. And so what they would do is they would buy one ox that knew exactly what they were doing. He was mature. He was complete. He was strong. He was experienced. He had done the job, or she, okay, or she had done the job, and they had done it well for a long, long time. And then to save money, what they would do is they would buy a young, inexperienced, didn't know what they were doing, immature, pretty weak ox, and they would put the two together because they knew that what could happen is if the young ox would rely on the older, more wise, stronger, more experienced ox, that if, they, if the young ox would get in line and would get in pace, that's a word I want you to remember, that that young ox would all of a sudden be at the same pace as the older ox, and they would plow that field efficiently and effectively together. But most of the time, here's what would happen. That young ox took a while to get in line with the more experienced, wiser, stronger, older ox. That young ox would buck, and and sometimes that young ox would want to go at a much stronger pace. But the, the older, more experienced ox knew if we go too strong in the beginning, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And so that old ox would just remain stable and remain at the right pace. And sometimes that young ox would say, let's go, come on, come on, we got to plow this field. And, and they would go, you know, further and faster and they would try hard, but that young ox would, or that older ox would remain at the right pace. And sometimes the younger ox wouldn't, wouldn't go too fast, he'd go too slow because he was weak, because she was weak. And so they couldn't keep the pace. They couldn't, but the, the, the more experienced beast, the more experienced ox would just keep that pace. And the only way that that young ox would survive the plowing of the field is if he got in step, in pace, with the older, more experienced ox. It's very obvious that Jesus is the experienced beast. He's the experienced ox. And it's very obvious that you and I were the young, inexperienced, many times immature, sometimes too weak to plow our field, sometimes thinking we know more 
than the older, experienced ox named Jesus and thinking we should go further, we should go faster, this isn't fast enough, we've got to get the work done, we've got to hurry it up. And, and what happens when we get out of step and out of pace with Jesus is we look at the field of our life and we see lines that aren't straight and we see there's parts of the field that aren't plowed right. And really what happens more than anything is we look back at our field and we can't even focus on the field anymore. All we can focus in is how exhausted we feel in our soul. I'll say it like this. Sometimes you find yourself trying to live for God without God. Sometimes you find yourself trying to live for God without God. So we've got to do what the Apostle Peter, what Simon Peter tells us to do. We've got to, 1 Peter 5, 7, we've got to cast all our anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for us. And this, that word cast, it seems like it's written in the imperative as a command, like cast all your cares. But it's actually not in the imperative in the original language. If you go back to the original language, it's actually written as a participle. And there are some versions that get it right in the Bible that it doesn't say cast, it says casting. You know what that means? That's a continual process. That's every day. I got to cast again. I got to cast again. I got to cast tomorrow. And man, I got peace in my soul yesterday because I casted all my cares on him. But I got to cast again. I got to do it again. And I got to do it next month. And I got to do it next year. And I got to do it this decade. And I've got to cast. I've got to cast. I've got to cast my cares on him over and over and over again. And can I tell you why I feel so bad preaching this message today? Because I'm terrible at this. You know how I know I'm bad at this? Our service started seven minutes late. And I was ready to punch a wall because we didn't start on time. I had to go to the restroom to calm myself down. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he speaks to me in the bathroom sometimes. Hey, what are you preaching about this morning? Aren't you preaching about... Cast all your cares on him. Aren't you preaching about get in step with the good shepherd? Aren't you preaching about walk at his pace? I've got this service. The people that are supposed to be here are here. And you'll start when you start, Wayne. You need to settle down, sit down, shut up, and calm down. That's the way God speaks to me sometimes. And I came back over here and I sat down and I had to ask God for forgiveness and say, God, help me to live what I'm preaching this morning. Help me, God, not to get so stressed out and have anxiety in my soul because I'm constantly trying to get out of step with you. Help me to attach myself to you and to go at your pace because your pace is not only sustainable, it is restful. There is peace in the pace of God. 
That's not even in my notes. That was free from the Holy Spirit right there. And y'all don't even care. You're not even writing it down. Let's move on. I like the way the message version says it. Are you tired? Worn out? This will be on the screen for us here. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. (laughs) Yes, Jesus. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the, watch this now, unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let me summarize this whole thing in a sentence. When you, when you walk at God's pace, you get God's grace. When you walk in his pace, you get his grace. So our job is to do what? What's the application here, Wayne? Stop. Yield. Rest. Lean on the more experienced ox. And say, Jesus, I'm just going to get in step with you. I want to go at your pace. I want to do what you want to do. I'm going to tune my ear, and I'm going to watch where you're stepping, and I'm going to match your step. We're going to walk together through life. We're going to plow the field of life together. And then here's what happens with me. Almost every week, I get out of step. And what happens is I have people in my life that are better at keeping step than I am. And sometimes those people are in my small group. And so what happens is the people in your small group, you show up to small group on Wednesday night or Tuesday night or Thursday or whatever, and you're like, oh, you wouldn't even believe the week I've had. I'm so stressed out. I'm about to, I'm about to kill my boss. And, man, we're, I'm just I, my husband, and this is happening, and that's happening, and my life is falling apart, and you need somebody in your small group to go, oh, oh, time out, pause, stop, rest, yield. Let's get in step with Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. 